Acts 13. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Well, friends, we're looking uh, this evening at uh, Paul's journeys as we continue our studies in the life of the Apostle Paul. And his, we come uh, this evening to his main work, and that is the work of missions and of planting churches. And I'm going to do something which I haven't done before, and that is go through all his journeys, including, God willing, his, uh, his uh, penultimate journey to Rome, and uh, hopefully we can cover that in the space of time that we have here. So it's going to be really a whistle-stop journey, you know, rather like, you know, sometimes you can book a tour to Europe and you touch down here, you take a photograph, and then you're off in the coach to the next city, you touch down, you take a photograph of the main sites, and then you're off to the, the next well, there's going to be something uh, similar that we do here. But uh, in your own time, if you just go through it, I just encourage you, really, because you can pick up so much uh, yourself, and it's just such a valuable uh, thing to do. It won't take, take you more than an hour or so, I think, to do that. But uh, let's uh, go through uh, these things. So here, uh, uh, Barnabas and Saul and these other elders are in prophets and teachers, are at Antioch. Uh, Paul has returned there. And uh, remember how he's been converted, and uh, he's, he's been in Arabia uh, for a while, and he went back to Damascus, and now we find him uh, here at Antioch in, uh, near Seleucia. And uh, as they are praying, the elders are praying, the Holy Spirit says, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work where I have called them. And after they had fasted and prayed, uh, they laid hands on them and sent them away, two by two. The same pattern which the Lord uh, had with his disciples, two by two, and uh, never alone, it seems. Never on their own they went out. Paul, once in a while, was on his own, but usually he's with uh, companions who are in the mission or with him, never feeling he doesn't need anyone with him. He always feels it's good to have uh, other brethren alongside him, helping out and contributing with their gifts. Well, here on this first missionary journey, he is accompanied by Barnabas. And let me just say a little bit about Barnabas. Barnabas uh, was a Cypriot. He was a Jew born in, in Cyprus, uh, a landed proprietor. But when he came to know the Lord, probably at Pentecost or around that time, when he came to know the Lord, uh, he sold all his land. He sold his property. Uh, and uh, brought all the money and laid it down at the feet of the apostles. What an amazing thing to do. You don't hear about people doing that today. You were not asked to do that. But amazing thing, just gave up everything and gave himself wholly, completely uh, to the work of the ministry. He was known as an encourager uh, of people and he preached in that en encouraging and exhorting way. Remember how uh, he took Paul, as it were, by the hand and introduced him to the 
uh, apostles and the church at Jerusalem when they were a little bit afraid of him. And uh, he did that work. And we, he was a, a great man in his uh, own right and sold out as well for the preaching of the gospel. Well, we read a little bit about him later on when on this first journey they had come to Lystra. When they were there, you remember how uh, Paul, and, uh, Paul and Barnabas were there and uh, when they saw the miracle that happened at Lystra, the lame man being healed, well, well the citizens of Lystra, uh, they, they called, uh, they, they said, oh, the gods have come down uh, to us. And they called Barnabas Jupiter, and they called uh, Saul uh, Mercury. Jupiter, why Jupiter? Well, Jupiter uh, speaks of uh, somebody tall, somebody majestic, Somebody benignant, be, uh, benignant, <laughs> benignant, thank you, benignant. Uh, and that's what kind of person uh, that uh, Barnabas was, a kindly, compassionate, father-like uh, figure uh, he was. And Paul, Mercury, well, he was small and he was a swift messenger and he was known as the chief uh, speaker. So that... Now, that's an idea, really, of uh, this, uh, this man, uh, Barnabas. And we can see probably why their first port of call was Cyprus, because that would be the natural choice uh, with Barnabas leading the way. Initially, uh, he's leading the way, but things are going to change. And it's going to, uh, Paul is going to take up the main position. Well, uh, in verse, chapter 13, verse 5, we see they sail. Uh, to Salamis uh, in, uh, in Cyprus, where they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also uh, John to be uh, their minister. John, John Mark this is, and he's the nephew uh, of Barnabas, and he joins them to assist uh, the, the two in their work, to look after their, their needs and so on. And then verse 6, when they'd gone through the aisle, unto Paphos, right on the other side, on the western side, and you can follow that on the map in front of you, uh, they came across this false prophet, this Jew named Bar-Jesus. Paphos uh, was the seat of the worship of Venus. Venus was the goddess of love. So you can imagine what Paphos was like. It was a licentious city, and it was uh, wild in its immorality. And it was here uh, that uh, they preached once again. And it was here uh, where when, they, when Paul and Barnabas spoke the word of God to that Roman uh, governor, the, the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, well, Elymas, that sorcerer, tried to stop, them from, uh, stop him from hearing the word and tried to hinder uh, the, the word from getting through uh, to, uh, uh, to the deputy. And then Saul, verse 9, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, O enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And he uh, called down judgment upon him, and he was blinded uh, for a season. So here uh, we see this sorcerer, this uh, magician, this uh, false, uh, one who could work false miracles, a quack really, trying to hinder 
uh, the, the word of God uh, from reaching Sergius Paulus. But Sergius Paulus, when he heard, he believed. And uh, when he, or rather when he saw what happened uh, to uh, this false prophet, uh, to, uh, he, bar Jesus, he, he saw and uh, he uh, believed. He turned to the Lord. And it's interesting, friends, because from now on, uh, as a result of this miracle, the, the narrative now uh, changes. And from this point onwards, we're going to see uh, Paul. Uh, uh, the references are going to mention Paul first, Paul and Barnabas, instead of Barnabas and Saul. Up to this point, it's been Barnabas and Saul in that order. And that's an that's in indication of who is the lead. But from now on, we're going to see it the other way around. The subordinate person has now become the leader. In from here, after the success here at uh, Paphos, they sail, uh, verse th 13, uh, to Perga in uh, Pamphylia. You can see that. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and look what happens here. As soon, almost as soon as they arrived, John departed from them. He returned to Jerusalem. It hadn't been with them, it seems, very long. And already he's turned back. He's going back home, going back, in fact, to Jerusalem, going back to Mummy. But uh, I don't want to be too critical about, about John Mark because what lay ahead was tremendous difficulties. We have little idea. It doesn't come out really uh, in the text. But what lay ahead for him uh, was, uh, was uh, dismayed to him. He could see and foresee the dangers that were ahead of him. And this, this brought terror into the young man's life. And he couldn't manage it. And that's why he turned back. Beyond Perga, well, there were the Taurus Mountains, which had to be ascended. And narrow passages that they had, which had to be uh, gone through. And then there were perils of rivers, which Paul speaks of in Corinthians. Torrents of water they had to cross by rickety bridges. It wasn't easy. They didn't have bridges like you and I do, or tunnels to get through. It was perilous to get across those rivers. And then there were perils of robbers as well along the way. Even the Romans tried but couldn't eliminate the robbers found in this uh, area. They were so good at uh, keeping, uh, uh, keeping from capture. They were no, it was a notorious area. And uh, all these dangers they would be exposed to beyond, uh, beyond the, uh, these mountains. Once they reached the top, well, you reached a vast plateau. And uh, beyond that would be deserts and lakes. And then once you actually got to the cities, you had all the people with all the different dialects and, and so on to deal with and to, to speak to, and uh, a population quite rude and uh, different uh, from what uh, John Mark would have been used to. So he turned back. The difficulties were too much for him, and he turned back from the work. Not Paul and Barnabas. The love of Christ for these souls prevailed with them. They could see lost and perishing souls going to hell. That meant even if at the cost of their own lives, they were willing to lay it down so that these could hear the gospel. They knew God had sent them. They knew God would undertake for them and protect them along this journey. And so they went forward 
in faith and also with great courage, we can say. And then when they do reach uh, Antioch in uh, Pisidia, verse 14, uh, they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down, and that was their usual process. But we mustn't think this is the first thing they did. If you go into a town, a new town, what's the first thing you do? Well, you look for a place to stay, isn't it? And that was something that they would have to do as well, look for, for lodgings. And they would have to look uh, for work. So you can imagine Paul going around, knocking people's doors, tent makers' doors, asking for any labor, any work uh, to be done. They didn't have that support financially uh, coming through to them week by week, month by month. They had to earn, uh, their, earn their way as well to pay for their food and their lodgings and, and their needs. So they would, they would have done that, uh, to be sure. But on the Sabbath days, on, the, on those Saturdays, well, they would enter into the, the synagogues, and then you know the process after the reading of the, the law and the prophets, and then the presiding elder would ask, has anyone got a word uh, they want to, uh, to, to share with, with everyone? And then Paul will get up, and that's what he does here in Antioch. He gets up and he uh, speaks and he preaches to them uh, Jesus. And he shows, goes through the Old Testament and he shows to them from the scriptures, this is what the Messiah was meant to be like. This is, uh, he was meant to come, he was meant to suffer, he was meant to die. Uh, and this, these things which happened, the Messiah was meant to go through, Jesus went through and Jesus suffered and God raised him up at the third day. And uh, this was his uh, usual uh, pattern which uh, he uh, went through whenever he went into a, a synagogue and began to reason uh, with uh, souls. Well, the Jews initially they listened uh, with great uh, eagerness uh, to these things. And in verse 44, we read the following Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. That is including the Gentiles. But when the Gentiles, verse 45, uh, uh, came in, the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and began to speak against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. <laughs> Remember last Lord's Day morning, we were thinking a little bit about this, Moses' prophecy in Deuteronomy 32. And he said, because Israel had gone away from the Lord, the Lord would turn to another nation and they would be moved to jealousy and moved to envy, just as they had provoked him uh, in the same way. And that's what you see here. The Jews are seeing the Gentiles receiving these blessings of the gospel and privileges being opened up to them as well are filled with envy instead of rejoicing uh, with, with Paul and Barnabas. And uh, so they turn against Paul and Barnabas and they are expelled uh, from the town. Uh, verse uh, 50, the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their uh, coasts. And then they move on from Antioch. Uh, they move on to Iconium, chapter 14, uh, verse 1. And again, preached to the Jews at first, and a great multitude of Jews and of Greeks uh, believe. But then again the Jews, verse 2, stir up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against uh, the brethren. Verse 4, the whole, the multitude of the city was divided, part held with the Jews and part held with 
the apostles. The whole city in Iconium is divided in its opinion. And when Paul is threatened with, uh, with uh, stoning, then they flee to the other cities of Lystra and uh, Derbe. And we can see that in verse uh, 6. At Lystra, as mentioned already, uh, there's this lame man. And uh, verse 10, uh, chapter 14, verse 10, uh, Paul said to him, uh, when he saw they had faith to be healed, stand upright on thy feet. And he leapt and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called them Barnabas and uh, Jupiter and Paul Mercury, Mercury, and they were about to sacrifice to them when uh, Barnabas and Paul heard of it. They ran, verse 14, uh, with their clothes rent, crying out, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions. Well, it seems like they've won Paul. They're very much in favor with Paul and Barnabas, isn't it? But then look how quickly they change. And that's what people are like if they're not truly uh, converted. In verse 19, after the Jews had come from Antioch and Iconium, they persuaded the people, and then they stoned Paul. So the one minute they're calling them gods and want to sacrifice to them, and the next minute they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of the city, and they thought, uh, he's, he's dead, he's gone. But he wasn't. Verse 20, Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to, back, uh, to Derby. So there, that's the events uh, in uh, Lystra. Now just before we move on, who are these disciples? <laughs> who are these disciples in, in verse 20 at Lystra, surrounding the, the, the bruised and stoned body of Paul? Well, we don't know their names, but we can guess, isn't it? We can guess possibly there's Eunice, there's, there's Lewis, the grandmother and the mum uh, of uh, Timothy, and perhaps young Timothy is also around this body, seeing this great hero, this great apostle uh, Paul in this way, and the effect that must have had even upon his young uh, mind. In verse uh, twenty, so they go on, gone there to uh, to Derby, and remember, everywhere they're going, they're leaving converts behind them. They're leaving behind groups of believers, and they're having success in spite of all the trouble and the persecution. And verse 21, <laughs> when they had preached the gospel to that city, to Derby, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, and Antioch. What courage! He would have gone a different way. Paul and Barnabas say, let's go back the same way that you've come. But suddenly I said, no, but you were stoned in one place, and you know they, there was a riot in another place. No. Courage, friends. Uh, this, uh, they, were, they went back. There was work still to be done, and they went back, as you read on, to confirm the souls of the disciples, to exhort them in the faith, and to tell them it's not all easy going as a Christian. If you come to the Christ become a Christian, and you think life's just going to be one happy, uh, one, one life of happiness, uh, day after day, it's going to be soft, it's going to be easy, no such thing. We must, he says, through much tribulation, verse 22, 
enter into the kingdom of God. This was the mindset of the early Christians. They expected trouble. They expected difficulties uh, as uh, believers. And uh, they, Paul and Barnabas then, as they're going back, in every church they ordain uh, elders along the way and set up and establish the churches and pass on to them the things that they had uh, picked up themselves and also from the church at uh, Jerusalem. And then uh, from there, they returned to Perga on that coast and take a ship to Ataliah. And then verse 26, uh, they return back to Antioch, their starting off position. And when they come, verse 27, they gathered the whole church together and rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. That's the first missionary journey. The second starts, I should have said, I, the dates here for the first, I put it as AD 47 to 48. And I put, uh, these dates are not really fixed in stone, but they give you a rough idea of when they are likely to have happened. The second, AD 49 to 53. And what a journey this is. This is perhaps uh, his greatest journey, the second missionary journey. And uh, he's, he's going to cover more places. There's going to be more perils, more dangers, more momentous things. We can't go into all of them, unfortunately. But here we see Greece being conquered uh, for Christ. Somebody said this is probably in history the greatest journey that has ever been taken. Even greater than Alexander's ad adventures, even greater than Columbus discovering America and so on. This one of Paul is uh, even uh, higher than those. So in verse 36, Paul is getting itchy feet here, chapter 15 and verse 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And that's their intention as they set out. But they're not, they don't go the same route. You see from the map, instead of taking the ship uh, to Cyprus, they, they're actually going to travel northwards and they're going to travel on foot. And from Antioch, they go all the way around uh, to Tarsus and then to uh, the cities of Derby and Lystra and Iconium, just uh, where they had been. This is the path that they are going to take at chapter 16 and verse 1. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. And it's here that uh, young Timothy uh, joins the group and he becomes their assistant as well. And he is going to be so useful uh, to the Apostle Paul. Well, I ought, I ought to say as well that, uh, uh, well, let's, let's look at actually before that. In, I, didn't, I didn't go through it, but in verse, chapter 15, verse 37, uh, there was a dispute between Paul and Barnabas. Before the journey uh, takes place, uh, they said, let's go and see the other churches. And Barnabas at that time, well, he was determined to take young John Mark with him. 
He wanted to give him a second try, a second chance. But Paul said no. He, Paul felt he's still not ready for the work. Paul thought perhaps he'll desert us again. He needs uh, maybe more time. But uh, Barnabas was uh, determined to take him, and so there was a parting of the ways. And uh, we read about Paul then took up uh, Silas, and uh, Barnabas took John Mark, and he went uh, to, uh, to Cyprus. Well, who was right? Who was right in this argument? Well, it, it seems to be that the, the, the person who was right is the Apostle Paul. That he, he had the right decision because we find that the church backs, backs him and Silas. The church come together to pray for him. In the following verses, you see that they recommend and they commend uh, him and Silas to the work. And the narrative itself, it follows and traces the work of Paul and Silas. And that's the Holy Spirit uh, following. So it seems to be that Paul is in the right and Barnabas perhaps is in the wrong here. But uh, later on in the ministry of Paul, uh, he, he speaks about John, Ma John Mark being profitable to him for the ministry. Here at this time he is unprofitable. He says, not ready yet. But uh, later on, oh, I need him and he will be helpful and useful uh, to me. So they, they make their way on foot to set to, to Lystra, and uh, here they pick up. Timothy joins them and uh, commits himself uh, to the work. He was much uh, commended uh, by the other disciples uh, there. And then in verse, uh, six, verse 6, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, those are two uh, regions in Asia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now I have to say a little bit just about Asia because it might be a bit confusing. But the Asia here mentioned in verse 6 is actually a Roman province within this area, which is Turkey today, and was at that time called Asia Minor. So that whole area which you see, that map is of like uh, a modern-day Turkey, was called Asia Minor. But the region to the west is a Roman province called Asia. And it was here uh, that Galatia was in the north, uh, as you can see on the map. And uh, a, the Holy Spirit forbade them to preach the word in Asia. And after they were come to Mysia, uh, that's, that's a region in the northwest, they came, uh, say to go into Bithynia, on the right hand, to the right of uh, Mysia, but the Spirit again suffered them not. And verse 8, they passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. So they've come a long way. If you go from eastern Turkey to western Turkey, well, friends, that's about a thousand miles from one end to the other. And they didn't have cars. I'm sure they did almost all their journey on foot. And uh, so you can imagine the great difficulties that they have. Uh, they must have uh, had many perils, including the perils of uh, sore feet, I'm sure, of walking all that distance. We don't think about these things, but uh, all these things, they were human after all. Luke actually passes over a lot of the things. There are great blanks in, in his uh, account that's given to us. 
but it's uh, probably because he's only highlighting the main things, the things that really stand out. But we cannot imagine that he went all that way without stopping at different places and again planting churches along the way. We are sure uh, that uh, he did uh, these things. But then the purpose why they are denied to preach in those other places becomes clear in, in verse 9 of chapter 16. A vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and uh, help us. Oh, can you see Paul's eyes lighting up at that? He's preached the gospel in Asia, and now he's going to take it into Greece, and he can see Rome beyond Greece, and he's got his eyes, oh, Greece conquered for the gospel, Greece that uh, is so intellectual and, 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 and so high in so many ways, and yet they haven't got the wisdom to know God, but he's going to go and tell them, Rome that has conquered so much, they haven't won eternal life, they haven't won the favor of God, and he's going to be the means to bring the gospel into these areas. I'm sure he must have been bubbling with faith and anticipation of what God would do in these lands. And so he took this as a definite call uh, from the Lord to go into Macedonia. Macedonia is the northern part uh, of Greece and the southern part is uh, Acacia. And uh, here, uh, here we, see, uh, we see him going. But before, have a look at verse 10. There's something important we need to mention here. After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Who's this we? Who's this us? Well, some of you know. <laughs> it's Luke. Suddenly Luke's in the crowd. Suddenly Luke is here. Before he's been saying, they, they, they. He's reporting the account of what happens to Paul and Barnabas. Now he's saying, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, for the Lord had called us to preach. It's a, he's now an eyewitness, and he's seeing these things firsthand, and he is reporting firsthand uh, accounts uh, he, uh, for us uh, here from this point. At, uh, he'll soon drop out again, and he'll come back in again. He'll drop out, and he'll come back in. But uh, this is important uh, for us in our, in our studies of, of this, these journeys. But there they land eventually in the Philippi, and there you know the tremendous things which happened uh, in Philippi. Lydia, that uh, gentle conversion, the Lord opening her heart by the riverside, and then that demon-possessed girl, dramatically uh, rescued from her, from her state, and then they were chucked into prison, uh, Paul and Silas, they sang uh, songs, and that, that jailer, was uh, dramatically uh, uh, converted uh, to the Lord, and uh, what a, a tremendous work was done there. And the church was planted there in Philippi. From there, they had to move on, They're forced out uh, again. And chapter 17, verse 1, we read that they passed through, you can see this as well on the map, they passed through Epiphilus uh, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, which was, it was a synagogue of the Jews. And again, here they're in the synagogue 
the usual three Sabbath days, they reason with them. And then verse 5, seems as seems another norm, a riot ensues. Uh, the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the basis sort, gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar. And uh, Paul and, and Silas, well, they have no choice, but they have to leave, uh, leave Thessalonica, and they made their way to Berea, verse 10. Uh, they were sent by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And then the Holy Spirit records this about the believers there. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. And then in verse 13, the Jews of Thessalonica again come down, and they cause trouble uh, when they heard that the word was preached at Berea, and they stirred up the people, and immediately the people uh, send, uh, the sent, immediately the brethren rather, sent Paul uh, to go to the sea, but Saul and uh, Timothy uh, stay behind. And Paul goes down on his way uh, to Athens on his own. A little, about, a little about those churches that he founded in this region of Macedonia. You read Philippians, and you think, this is Paul's favorite church. This seems to be the church he, he speaks so well of and he loves so much. And uh, Thessalon the, the Thessalonican church, well, they were not very far behind. And so it proved that uh, during his labors, they were very much behind him in prayerful support, in financial support. They were, they were very much on his side. And uh, he didn't have to persuade them about his apostleship or anything like that. He was uh, with them all. Uh, they were with him all along the way. Macedonia, we read also, a great number of women uh, came to know the Lord. Women who, who had, were, uh, the men were treating them as their playthings. And uh, they were living degraded lives and demeaned in those societies. And the gospel comes along and lifts them up to a higher position. And they a more dignified uh, position. A great number of women turn to the Lord. And as we said, they were very liberal in their giving. They're not that they were rich, but out of their poverty even, they gave uh, to the Lord's work. So a tremendous work is being done uh, on this journey here and in Greece. Now, Athens, surely God has something in store for Athens, isn't he? After all, it's a tremendous city, and it's, uh, it's had its golden era, but that is now past by the time uh, Paul uh, arrives. But it's still a place of learning, of culture, of philosophy, of intellectual learning. It's still very much uh, there. There are people there, as you read, in uh, chapter 17, who are curious, very curious to know uh, what's happening. And we read that when Paul arrived, when he saw uh, the city wholly given over, chapter 17, verse 16, uh, given to idolatry, his spirit was stirred within him. He couldn't help it. He's going to begin preaching, even though uh, he is uh, on his own. And the people there, well, they are very curious. They like to hear new things some new doctrine, some new story they want to hear. And as they were listening to Paul, well, they were very gratified by what they heard. 
until he touched their conscience, until he spoke personally, until he addressed their need, until he spoke of judgment. But, uh, verse 30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent because he had appointed a day in which he would judge the world in righteousness. And then what happened? Well, they didn't. It wasn't like the other cities where they turned against Paul and they uh, persecuted him. There was indifference. They didn't care. There was, there was no reaction, either positive or negative from their part. And this stunned the Apostle Paul. He was stunned by their indifference. And perhaps in his heart and in his mind, he was discouraged. And he felt, oh, I'm a failure. I failed in this great city. I expected great things to happen, and they haven't happened. And we don't read of any church even being planted in Athens. We're not on our record here. Well, from this great intellectual city, somewhat downcast, perhaps, uh, he moved uh, into Corinth, uh, towards the east. Corinth was a commercial city, uh, again, a very sensual place, a place uh, filled with vice, chapter 18 and verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and there we read about him meeting up and staying with Priscilla and Aquila, the tent makers. And he was here in Corinth uh, for some uh, a year and six months, 18 months. And in spite of the many troubles even there, the church uh, was founded. Verse 9, uh, perhaps Paul thought the same thing was going to happen as in Athens. But the Lord said to him, uh, Be not afraid, but speak. Hold not, hold not your peace, for I have much people in this city. And then the, he, he returns, uh, he begins his return journey by sea and uh, goes via Ephesus, and he makes his way uh, to Jerusalem in, uh, via Caesarea back to, and then via Caesarea back to Antioch in Syria. So I, that's very briefly uh, his uh, second uh, journey. And uh, the third, well, we think that starts in AD 53, ends around a few years later, 56 and 57. He's planted in Greece, churches, Rome is next, perhaps one may think, but in fact, uh, he makes his way uh, to Asia, chapter 18 and verse 23. Sorry, I have the wrong scripture written there. That's the wrong, wrong scripture, but, but uh, from, from uh, on his third uh, journey, uh, he, he moves uh, from Antioch, or to he goes all the way over to Galatia and uh, Phrygia, and in verse uh, 24, yeah, sorry, uh, I'm right, verse eight, chapter 18, verse 23, uh, they depart and go over the same land and strengthen all the disciples, and then at uh, verse 24, they catch up with Apollos, the eloquent man who was uh, helped very much by Aquila and Priscilla, and then uh, he comes down uh, to Ephesus, chapter 19 and verse 1. They're on the east coast of uh, Asia Minor and the east coast of Asia. Here he would stay uh, for uh, three years. A wealthy place, 
the place where the temple of the goddess Diana was, and it swarmed with uh, wizards and, and fortune tellers. And again here, uh, Paul uh, preached the gospel and had great uh, success. Initially, three months uh, with the Jews, uh, he was in the, in the synagogue, and then verse 10, he spent two years in the school of Tyrannus. And you remember what happened there as well. One of the incidents there was uh, when, the, when they, these sons of Sceva saw uh, Paul uh, delivering a person who was demon-possessed. They tried to do the same thing. They tried to mimic the apostle Paul. And with severe consequences for themselves, the man with the evil spirit jumped on them and beat them, and they fled uh, from him. And that when people saw that, when people saw that, we read that they were, uh, they were stunned by what they saw, and that many believed, uh, verse 18, uh, many, uh, sorry, verse 17, Fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their books. And verse 19, those who were into those um, magic things and uh, brought their curious arts with them and burned them all before the men, and they counted the price of it, and it was 50,000 pieces of silver. Amazing thing that's done. What a change in these people, giving up these things that they've practiced for years when the, the power of God is at work. Verse 21, Paul plans uh, to return through Macedonia and Achaia, uh, but then he remains, uh, he continues to remain in, uh, in Ephesus for a while, and then there's a great tumult with Demetrius and uh, his craftsmen worried about their, about their craft and about their business, and uh, eventually... Uh, Paul has to leave uh, the city, and he leaves, and he goes into Macedonia, back into Macedonia, uh, to Philippi and uh, Thessalonica, and then down to Corinth, and then back via Macedonia. Uh, again, again, best place to check here is the map, and then we see chapter twenty, verse six. Uh, he he's at, arrives at uh, Troas. The Again, we sailed away from Philippi. It seems that Luke has been left at Philippi, and now he picks up again, joins Paul, and takes a journey to Troas. And from Troas, uh, they, uh, Paul preached a long time, and uh, Eutychus falls from the window. Some of my friends here are falling from the window now and need a bit of <laughs> awakening. But uh, keep, keep up with me, young men. There's a young man here. And uh, verse 13, and we went before to ship and sailed unto Assos, there intending to take in Paul, for he had appointed, uh, minding himself to go on foot. And then I'm going to move down. You can follow the text in your own time. But verse uh, 17, uh, from Miletus, uh, he calls for the Ephesian elders, and they have that great a meeting with the, all the elders there, and what a great text that is for those in the ministry and for all of us. And at verse 36 ends it with a prayer meeting. He kneeled down and prayed with them all. And then on their way, uh, still chapter 21 and verse 3, Attire, uh, they continue that journey by ship and 
In verse 5, we read also, uh, when they had accomplished those days, we departed, went our way, and they brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. What a sight. Mm -hmm. They're having a beach service, a family service there. And then from Ptolemy, they, he makes his way back to Caesarea and then down to Jerusalem and to arrest. And then finally, well, you can perhaps look at his final journey in your own time. But he was arrested, to summarize it, praise it for you. He was uh, arrested uh, there in Rome and uh, he ended up uh, being taken in to Caesarea and then at different points, all in God's providential plan to bring him uh, to Rome. But he's brought before uh, high people, Felix uh, and also King Agrippa, and he's able to preach the gospel to them, whether to the man on the street or to those high up, he's got a word for them. He's got the same message for, the same, for, the, for these people. Felix trembled when he heard these things, but he was never converted. And uh, he wanted more money from, uh, from Paul. I don't know where he thought Paul was going to get money from. But, uh, and then there was King Agrippa. And uh, King Agrippa said, you remember those words? Almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. He almost, but not. He didn't commit himself uh, to the Lord. And uh, he said of Paul, if he had an appeal to Caesar, he could have been let go uh, free. And then that great account of the uh, the, that journey uh, from Cyprus, uh, or rather from Crete, uh, they went, uh, they were, were caught up in that storm in chapter 27. You can read that. Paul had told them there's danger in this journey. You shouldn't take it. They didn't listen to him. And uh, they wanted to get to Phoenix on the other side of the island. Instead, they were driven out to sea uh, by that uh, wind, uh, Euroclidon. And they were two weeks up and down in that tempest, and they suffered a shipwreck and uh, till eventually they land uh, on, on Malta and uh, on the, safe on the island of uh, Malta. And again, we see here Luke has been with them in this journey, chapter 28 and verse 2. Again, so these are all first-hand accounts, uh, so much of this that we are reading. And uh, from there, we read about the viper. Oh, this man is a murderer, they said of Paul, when the viper bit him. But when he shook it off, they said, he is a god. And uh, then the Lord worked even in there. And uh, Publius, his father, is healed, the chief man uh, of, the, of Malta, of Melita. And uh, from there, they, they went on. And along the way to Rome, at Sicily, or Putoli, rather, and then at the three taverns, they meet with brethren, and they take encouragement. As going, Paul is going to go to the center of the world, Rome. He's on his, uh, he's got on his own, but he's got one or two brothers and sisters, brothers with him. But he meets others along the way who are going to strengthen his hands. God has his people uh, along the way to strengthen the apostle. And eventually, verse uh, 16, uh, 28, verse 16, uh, we read that he lands in Rome. And when we came to Rome. The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. This is his first imprisonment. There will be another one that is to follow. We don't have the record of that journey. 
but uh, that the second one would end in his uh, death. So friends, just these are his uh, journeys, and uh, they are an example and an encouragement, an exhortation for us. As uh, the brother said to me before the meeting, uh, Christians are, are, are no wimps. <laughs> you know, here we see Paul was no wimp. He was ready to face difficulties. He was ready to face trouble because of his belief in Christ and his willingness to take the gospel uh, to other people. And uh, may the Lord help us also to be courageous for him in wherever he has placed us and to make us uh, vessels that people who really care uh, for other souls and want to reach out to them and take this glorious gospel to them. What can God do with us? What can God do with us if God is with us and he is? Well, let's, let's close by coming together to pray.